ABX is basically a first step. It's a metaphor for the real beginning of a, a new type of technology. So we're building a system which creates its own expression, its own emotions, and it can think and react. It's live, it's always changing, and it's basically experiencing the world just like we do. In one way it can be very scary when machines actually understand you almost as well as you do. The face is the mirror of the brain. And of course behind the face is the engine house which actually makes that happen. Mark Sager wants to make a living brain in a way. This technology is just such a game changer. It is so mind-boggling. The brain that's driving this baby is as real as what we know of the human brain. This technology is really going to put New Zealand on the map. The reason that we're using Francesca as the model is because she's the best metaphor for what we're doing, because it's a beginning. And, you know, we happen to have a baby lying around, so... <laughs> Are we giving artificial intelligence too much responsibility before it's ready? My name is Carol Tricky, and I'm a brand strategist. And my name is Angelica Ortiz. I'm an experience designer and creative technologist. And we're your hosts for the show Law Zero, a podcast about the implications, intended or otherwise, of emerging technology. As some of you already know, this is episode five and our season one finale. We saved our absolute meatiest topic for the very last. This is something that we've been wanting to talk about for a very long time. And really since the beginning of the podcast, there was one time in October when we were first just talking and catching up on things. And for the life of me, I could not get out of my head this one article I had read that morning, which was about Mark Sager growing a computer baby in his lap, which is essentially just an AI version of a baby. And it it just seems so weird for something that we would think of to see like in a sci-fi movie, like Total Recall, Terminator, essentially something that seems so much rooted in science fiction and the realization that, no, this is actually a thing. It is like very much a science reality that freaked me out so much. And we've lovingly called it computer baby for the most part. But even that kind of downplays the creepiness of it too. Right. Artificial intelligence is freaking people out because it's this big black box. You know, you've got people in IT, they see what goes in, but they can't really tell what comes out. And they call that the black box software problem. And it turns out the artificial intelligence machines can't really tell us what goes into its decision making either. I mean, it also brings to mind HAL 9000, all of the creepy AI examples from sci-fi, like it just comes right back around. So artificial intelligence is a really big topic, and we know that this is ambitious. So we wanted to start our podcast by explaining what it is, what it's not, and just kind of breaking it down for you a little bit. So artificial intelligence, to clarify, is not algorithms, and it is not like a voice interface or a chatbot. Though those types of technology can use artificial intelligence, it is not solely those things. Algorithms tend to work with a repetition and with a pattern of like what someone tells it to do, it will do. That sort of simple basic thing. Voice interfaces we went over earlier in terms of 
same thing, call and response, but with a voice that you're able to interact with. But artificial intelligence is something that is able to imitate human intelligence and being able to simulate having like memory and conversation and learning. So it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book where everything's already written out for it and it's just a matter of which tree you pick versus something entirely different that learns on its own. That's what algorithms and voice interfaces are. Okay. The thing that learns on its own is a good example of artificial intelligence. Okay. So there are three different types of artificial intelligence. ANI, or artificial narrow intelligence, is essentially intelligence that is restricted to one particular area. A really good example of this would be the spam filter that you you have the luxury of forgetting is even there, but it helps take away all of the unnecessary emails and it's able to detect, okay, this is typically spam, this is not typically spam, so you don't even have to worry about clicking block or junk or anything like that. It takes that process out of the way. In in the broad scheme of things, ANI is like a human infant in terms of it's just uh, learning and really open to everything and it doesn't really think as much on its own. You kind of just have to feed it and then it kind of learns and it's just that back and forth. It licks lemons and makes a funny face and says, eh, maybe I don't like lemons. And looks at the pretty uh, electrical outlet and it's like, ooh, it's, what's this? And you have to tell it not to put its finger in the electrical outlet. You know, uh, these sort of things. Survival lessons. Yeah, exactly. You really have to handhold ANI. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. The second type is AGI, or Artificial General Intelligence. And that tends to cover more than one field, like it has the power of reasoning, problem solving, and abstract thinking. And that's more on par with how we as human adults interact with. It would pretty much be on par with how we interact with things. And the third type is artificial superintelligence, which is like the final stage of artificial intelligence in which AI surpasses uh, our intelligence level, like not even just like a little bit, but by leaps and bounds. So it's to the point of, like we're just like ants in terms of smartness compared to AI. And when we get to that point, it's going to get really creepy and scary really fast. And that's why it's really important that our foundation is built really, really strongly, because we know that we know now that it's very much possible for this to happen. Right. Training that human infant to once it gets to the point where it's better than us, that it is able to react, not react to us well, but essentially know what's right and wrong and is able to take care of us. We were talking about this um, outside the recording booth as far as like it's interesting that each of these levels are just a comparison to the relative power of human intelligence. Kind of shows like both our vanity in a way, but also is very interesting in the fact that it's our point of reference. Well, we like to anthropomorphize everything. So it just makes sense that artificial intelligence and explaining it kind of fits right in line with that, too. Right. I think part of the reason that Computer Baby might have freaked us out so much is that we know what happens to, well, now now most babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they grow up eventually. And it's maybe not Computer Baby that freaks us out. It's what Computer Baby might grow into that right. really freaks us out. It's like... <laughs> Uh, surpassing the teacher and then the The student becomes the master very much the master like not even comparable to the teacher at this point i think that you had this comparison earlier where you were like it's giving a toddler the keys to the ferrari yeah yeah 
that gets into a little bit what we do later. But yeah. So I was wondering uh, where you see this being applied. Like where do you see artificial intelligence being applied both now and in the future? To begin, the biggest advantage of artificial intelligence is the fact that it's really scalable and that there's huge cost saving potential with it. That's why like businesses are all over this thing. Uh, and they're like, where can we implement AI? You know, it's kind of like that it technology to be into right now. The hype cycle. Hype. Gardner's hype cycle. The other thing is consistency in that it's it starts out very rule-based. So it helps eliminate errors in which humans, being humans, don't necessarily always go to the rules. And so you can rely on AI to have that consistency for the most part. And the other thing to consider is that AI can detect irregular patterns. One thing we were talking about is that because AI has so much access to data, it can look at things in a broad scale and be able to determine like, oh, actually, you guys have been doing this all wrong. What if we optimize this? And it's something that us as humans, we may not really have that big picture because we don't process that information all at once. And it can also be applied to correcting human error. So for instance, if the teller at the bank if the bank teller puts one fewer zero into uh, as a check deposit into your account, the computer can catch that and it can say, oh, this person normally puts this amount in here and you won't be short for paying your bills that week. That's just one example. Right. Another example in terms of detecting irregular patterns is alerting businesses or individuals in real time about like suspicious activities. So whenever you get that notification on your phone being like, is this really you? Did you really buy a $200 TV or was that someone else using your um, credit card? Or it's, a yacht. Right. And it could tell that, come on, with that student loan business going on, you are not buying a yacht right now. And so it's able to be like, this is weird. Are you sure? And that sort of thing. But the real thing to think about is what won't it be applied to at this point? Pretty much anything that has sort of a pattern or that you can apply like a consistency or regulation to, AI could really be relevant for those situations. And the funny thing is that there are more patterns in real life than we realize. And as tech companies in particular are collecting more data on us, we're able to identify how just how creatures of habit we really are. So now that you have a good basis of this, as we usually do, we want to get into what does this mean in the broad scale of things? Um, so Carol, what are your thoughts on this? So we've obviously got a mix of good, very, very potential good here, and a lot of very potential bad here. When we finally settled down on this as our topic, the phrase that kept coming to mind was to err is human. But we actually seem to expect our artificial intelligence to be completely impartial. And perfect. Absolutely. But artificial intelligence learns from us, and we, as humans, are not even close to being partial. We're very emotional. We're very emotional creatures. But that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just means we're expecting more out of our AI than is guaranteed. Our logic doesn't extend to the fact that what we teach them matters and, and how we even source what we're teaching them matters. But with that comment in mind, the biggest thing that I see as a general positive is efficiency, especially if it's done well, uh, and not even just in that like dystopian sci-fi way that we're kind of familiar with. For instance, Facebook has talked about detecting illegal pharmacies and tracking those down and shutting them down sooner rather than later to help with the opioid epidemic. 
And maybe that type of algorithm can be applied to identifying and eliminating fake news. Mm -hmm. You also have things like food delivery robots. No one loves it when their pizza shows up an hour and a half after it was promised. But that being said, people are really weirded out by them and like are literally fighting them in San Francisco. (laughs) I was listening to one podcast where a guy just absolutely fought with one in the middle of the street. So that was weird. Such an instigator. I don't really know what his angle is. Was he just like, I want to fight a robot. There's one right there. Punches in face. I feel like he was like both threatened by it, but also like this thing is strange and alien and I don't care for it being here. Yeah, it it was a it was just kind of a mess. He's like a journalist and like he just kind of like fought it and then abducted it and then like opened it up to see what it was like and then like closed it and put it out. And it was like, but where'd the food go? I feel like he can easily get sued for that. I mean, there's no regulation going on there right now at all. And so I think he was really pissed by that, you know? Yeah. We talk about acceptance for humans. Can we talk about acceptance for robots? That's unfair for that robot. Yeah. But now we're anthropomorphizing that robot. I mean. That's a whole nother thing. (laughs) We always fall in love with our, like, little Roombas. Mm -hmm. So I can't. I don't know. I would have a little bit of affection for the thing that brings me food anyway, so. Right. It's just like, yay, thank you. Another point of efficiency that we saw was Google Translate. And this could not only be really big for just understanding people that don't speak the same language as you, but also this could also be really huge for the field of linguistics, which is something I've gotten really interested in lately. This actually reminds me of the real-life version of the Babblefish from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Which you know I haven't seen. (laughs) But it's great because then I'll be able to surprise you. So the babblefish is essentially a a creature that you can, that actually can insert into your ear. And as Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy explains it, its excretions are what you hear in terms of the translation. So you'll hear Vogon being talked to you and then the excretions will be English in your native language so you can understand it. So you're saying that... This creepy-looking babblefish is what Google Translate should really get into. That's kind of what it's doing, but not nearly as creepy and icky as this. Hard no. That's a hard no from me. <laughs> so the, the Google Pixel Buds are doing the non-creepy babblefish of this type of thing. Those look significantly less creepy, and I would rather have excretions not in my ear. That's why Google Pixel Buds exist. So you don't have to have that situation. (laughs) And the other thing that we talked about is that how AI can be really efficient is that it is synthesizing not just big data, but massive amounts of data, like links that can find connections to preventing diseases or curing them. It's able to connect the dots a lot faster and with a lot more information that our tiny human brains can process. Absolutely. And I want to make clear that it's if this is done well. There have been studies that have proven that bad data actually makes the chances of you finding the truth or the solution to something significantly less likely. We've got to set up the foundation just so. Fake news can also affect AI. It's not just a human thing. Absolutely. And speaking of that, this gets a little bit into the, the dystopian side. Artificial intelligence can also perpetuate any systemic patterns that we have in society. And that may or may not be a good thing. 
one example that you were telling me about earlier is really quite frightening. Right. It, in terms of AIs being used to determine whether or not someone can get on parole or not. And those are like pretty major things. That's life changing. Exactly. But the data that was being fed into it was inherently biased because of the people who were feeding that data in, which are typically like Caucasians. And a lot of the people who were denied parole tended to be African-Americans. African-Americans tend to have more of those factors just in terms of where they grew up and like those sort of things that it caused a unnecessary bias against them. And it's just being able to counteract those things. I mean, it's it's systemic racism. It's that school to prison pipeline, and it's perpetuating that. If we just plug in, we don't question what we're plugging in, and we don't ask it to do better. Right, and making sure that the data is impartial, so that way the AI in turn can become impartial. You know, there's there's some things that we can't do, but making it as impartial and as fair as possible helps with those sort of things. With life-changing decisions. Exactly. Which yeah. is really important. Yeah. Related to that is that the class divide can increase and actually like the antagonism, the the stress that's going on in between there um, can actually be made worse by artificial intelligence. Because if everybody has the same resume, if you tick all of the right boxes, you're only the people that go to Harvard can might be able to get into one job and only the people that went to to a local community college can get a job in another situation. And, I mean, we already have an issue with recruiting sometimes, like where, I mean, people are inherently biased for or against things. And sometimes there are particular companies that go to, like, the same 13 schools to recruit, and they don't even consider the hundreds and thousands of other schools. So it's reflecting the same human bias that already happens. Just on a wider level. Exactly. And yeah. it's, it's something that people aren't thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, anything that involves game theory or systems or a pattern is fair game it's fair game yeah for you were able to make contact with somebody at ibm who works with watson and he informed us that google taught its artificial intelligence game theory oh gosh and if you know anything about game theory this is very bad excuse me well i go and scream into the void Moving on. A really good way to see how artificial intelligence is being viewed in general right now is the the rivalry between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg in that Elon Musk is with uh, Stephen Hawking, RIP, in terms of seeing that AI can be really destructive and if it's not being managed properly right now. Versus Zuckerberg, which is like, AI is the best. Let's get this going, guys. And with conversations with our podcast and things like that, we're trying to even out the discussion of like being super skeptical on things and being optimistic. And I think that's kind of what is going head to head right now. I think that we, we I mean, we need to continue to see the opportunity in it. Not, I mean, not just not just be optimistic about things, but weigh the pros and cons and from there decide is this going to be the best move for me and how do I proceed right something in that we could see in the future particularly with ASI is um, augmenting humans to keep up because artificial intelligence definitely has speed and processing power on us for sure 
even just like the access to data, we we joke a lot off the recording session in terms of like, don't connect AI to the internet because it just has all of the data that has ever existed, you know. And, and that data might not be all peachy. You, do you really want it on 4chan? Right. Didn't you have an example of Watson learning like really bad slang things? They had to, they had to completely reset Watson because he got a hold of the Urban Dictionary <laughs> and uh, he kept swearing while they were trying to practice for Jeopardy. Like they just had to completely start from scratch and they couldn't just delete that one thing because he kept going back to it because he's like, I need to learn this. They're, you know, like we keep going back to the toddler metaphor. He doesn't know not to stick his finger in the uh, the socket. We need to really be the parent in this particular scenario until we can get to the point. And that's why we've been talking about, like, are we putting trust in AI too early? Parental controls. For AI. <laughs> Which leads to our wish list. Woo! There's so much more that we could talk about as far as artificial intelligence. There's so much going on right now. But as far as an overview, that's what we have. Um what did you have as far as what people should take away from this podcast? So a lot of people, when they see sci-fi movies they and equate it to artificial intelligence as we predict it will be, they're like, oh, no, that's never going to happen. But we're here to tell you that it's not if AGI and ASI are going to happen. It's when. There was a survey that was conducted amongst various AI experts and the median expert prediction for AGI was 2040, which is pretty close. And then you also have the median expert prediction for ASI being 2060. How artificial intelligence is growing is exponential, not linear by any means. So once it reaches AGI, it's only a matter of time before ASI comes along. I had a hard time wrapping my head around this whole idea of it being exponential, but there was a really good visual of it on Wait But Why, mm-hmm. which is a blog that we both read, as well as that GIF that you showed me as far as like the drop going in the pool. Mm-hmm. It's like the 1950s had like a little drop here and there. And then once it reached like the 1990s, 2000s, it filled up more. And then like as soon as you knew it, it was full. It was overflowing. Yeah. And that's just the law of accelerating returns. Exactly. But anyway. So that's a really good way to think about AI as well in this case. In terms of an actionable item, the one thing I want to impart on you guys is to make it clear when you're creating these AI systems is that tell your user that you're talking to a, a bot rather than a human because at, after a certain point, even now to a degree, uh, once we reach AGI and ASI, it'll blur because once AGI is equivalent to human intelligence may not know that you're talking to a bot rather than a human and it's making those distinctions so that way people aren't expecting too much of the bot and they're able to give it a little bit of slack i mean based on what you've taught me that just sounds like good ux yeah exactly that's something that i've implemented in my chatbots and things i've worked on before so it's just a good practice to keep in mind good recommendation on my list i definitely have you have to code normative behaviors and conditions As much as we want to think of them like human and as much as they are modeled after our own brains, you need to think of them like little kids uh, or even, dare I say, potential little sociopaths. They don't have this behavior by themselves. You need to very much clearly teach them. No assumptions at all. 
Right. You you can't assume that they want they you know they want to implement Law Zero. Brands should beware what promises are made by companies that are trying to sell them AI. How you implement this matters just as much as if you do it, possibly more. You know, just because it's the hip new thing does not mean it is both right for you or that the company that is selling it the cheapest to you or is the flashiest about it is going to be the most ethical. Right. This is something that applies to like any technology because like VR and AR kind of like similar sort of like novelty things that people are really excited about. But you're right, Carol, in that this is the one technology in which how you do it will really mess things up if you do it improperly. And that being said, like leadership around artificial intelligence is incredibly important. You know, going back to your discussion that you mentioned earlier about the Zuck and Elon Musk, will they move fast and break things? Or will they be honest skeptics uh, about their work and and try to self-police? But if they don't self-police, it's having that that other regulatory committee, which goes into the, the last thing on the wish list in terms of having some sort of overseeing body that is managing the ethics and the implementation of AI, and very much so a transparent one. So that way it's not just behind closed doors and we have no input with it at all. There was actually a legal briefing that was presented to European Parliament, which put it really well, in which they said, research and educational efforts, as well as carefully designed regulations, must be put into place to achieve this goal. And it's just an overall thing of everybody coming in and putting in their two cents to make sure that it's fair and right for everybody and we're not just setting up our own demise. And you should also see the limits of this. Like there is such thing as researching or moderating to the average. There's such thing as death by collaboration. Mm -hmm. Where can it go wrong on both counts? But just err on the side of caution for people. Right, because once it's out there, it's really hard to rein it back in, especially for if this is a human-infant equivalent. Yeah, no. It's a terror on everyone. (laughs) Really got to be careful with this tech. That reminds me, the UK government is also really into this, too. I was reading about the House of Lords Select Committee. They set out a series of principles that they believe AI development should follow. Um, And they should, quote, operate on principles of intelligibility, fairness, and not be used to weaken data rights or privacy. And also added that the autonomous power to hurt, destroy, or deceive human beings should never be vested in artificial intelligence. Mic drop. That's really the summary of what we've been trying to say today. I think it kind of sums up the point of our podcast. It, it, It is law zero. A robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm. This has been Law Zero. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast throughout the entirety of season one. We really appreciate the discussions we've had with you online and offline. And it's really given us faith that we're not the only ones listening in an echo chamber, that this is something that's really happening and resonating with people in the community. You can find us on SoundCloud at Law Zero Podcast, and you can also find us on Twitter under the same name. I couldn't agree more. This has been a really awesome experience. We're not as new to the podcast game as we used to, but we still love to hear your thoughts and suggestions. That was probably one of my favorite parts about having this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. We'd also like to thank my brother, Ben Tricky for the use of his composition, Take Two, as our theme song. I can be found on Twitter at Angelica Ortiz underscore one. 
I can also be found on Twitter at Carol Tricky. Carol with an E and Tricky with an EY. Thanks. Woot!